This is such a great example of why free speech is so important. Because you just created an alliance where you can fight future bad public policy because you were willing to talk to someone and hear their viewpoints uh, where maybe you didn't agree. It's such a vital part of this. Um, and, you know, just being able to recognize, because I will tell you what, it's you can never get comfortable with your rights. You know, just as was exemplified with this free speech bill, this bias registry, you can never get comfortable with your rights because there is always an idea or um, something that could threaten that. And it might be disguised, it might not be obvious at first, but it's that's why it's so important to be able to have these conversations and to feel comfortable um, without fear of being canceled or reported to this system. Um, it, again, freedom, speech, freedom of speech is the marketplace of sharing ideas and education, and it's, you know, the foundation of peace itself. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, well, thanks for listening to another episode of American Potential. We appreciate you joining us. You know, one thing, and we I'll tell you what, I we have not done enough stories on the issue of free speech and how fundamental the First Amendment is to Americans, to our country, and really to the survival of our country. You know, free speech requires tolerance of other people's point of views. You don't, you know, it's easy to say, I'm going to give somebody free speech if I, if I totally agree with them. But what if you disagree with them? And, you know, we see this sort of cancel culture that's out there and people saying, we just want to get rid of people with different views. Those are the kinds of things that really fundamentally violate uh, the, the, the concepts of the First Amendment. Now, the First Amendment, of course, talking about government not interfering in the free speech rights of citizens, but citizens also ought to have that sense of tolerance and understanding for other people in differing views. Now, imagine if you went to go grab a, a meal with a friend or a family member, and during the conversation, Let's say you talked about different issues or a news story, and then you gave an opinion about a news story. But what if in the booth next to you, someone else was eavesdropping and they overheard the conversation and they thought somebody else somewhere in your state would be offended by your opinion? And then the person who overheard you could then report you to a government official to be investigated. That doesn't even sound possible in America. It all sounds like something that you may hear in an Orwellian movie or read in a fiction book. But in Minnesota, they tried to make this a reality. They literally tried to pass a law in Minnesota that would do just this. And it would use government to ask citizens to turn on each other and to turn them in if they heard things that others might deem offensive. What could be more divisive than pitting Americans against each other and neighbor against neighbor? What could be more violative of the First Amendment than government deciding which speech is acceptable? And which is not. With the action of 
some organizations in Minnesota, this bad idea was stopped. And thankfully, that is the case. On today's episode, we have Rayanna Lee, who is the Legislative and Coalitions Director for the Minnesota Chapter of Americans for Prosperity. Rayanna, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am uh, a huge fan of this podcast, so it's a little bit surreal to be on here and uh, <laughs> be joining you today. Well, it's our podcast at Americans for Prosperity. We're telling the story of the great things that are being done, and, and this is clearly one of them, um, you know, just, just kind of helping stop this bill. And I understand parts of this bill went on and changed forms, and, and we can mm-hmm. talk about all of that. But boy, this most egregious part of this bill uh, was stopped dead in its tracks because, uh, you know, people like Americans for Prosperity in Minnesota took up the cause. Um, what, what was this language in the bill? And let's kind of get into that. And was this language included in the original bill? Yeah, so this was a bill that we grappled with during our session that wrapped up in May. Um, it was an incredibly chilling threat to free speech. And really what it was, was in its original form was a database that would have been nested within the Minnesota Department of Human Rights um, that would have solicited and received reports of any sort of incident, not necessarily a crime, but any sort of incident that could be construed as being offensive to someone or something or bias motivated. Um, the way that it was written, it was incredibly broad um, and absolutely ripe for abuse and really trampled on free speech. Um, people, if you were to report an incident, you didn't have to have any sort of corroborating evidence. There was no due process for people being reported on. Um, and the authors could not specify where the line would be drawn on what does or does not qualify. And this database would, as originally written, um, be running for an indefinite amount of time. And yeah, it was so serious that even some international news outlets picked up on this. Um, could wearing a JK Rowling t-shirt qualify as an incident that could be reported citing a Bible verse in your Facebook status or, you know, wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt or saying, you know, COVID came from China, anything like that. Um, what Ultimately, what this did uh, is weaponized government against citizens and, um, you know, created that Orwellian reporting system in our society. And even talking about this today, you know, could that be something that could be uh, reported in this database. Um, So really what this was in its original form was a prime example of absolutely awful legislation that was pushed through by um, a DFL trifecta that really was intent on um, unmasking you know, opponents and and identifying dissent. And just for those who aren't familiar with Minnesota politics, um, when I say DFL, I mean Democratic Party. <laughs> I was going to ask you to explain. <laughs> Most people don't understand DFL unless yeah. you're from Minnesota, but explain, explain what that means. A question I, I get a lot. Yeah. So DFL <laughs> refers to Democratic former labor. Uh, the two parties merged in the 1940s. And so uh, that's what I refer to when I say DFL. It's a very <laughs> Minnesotan way of saying Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's so chilling about this really is, um, you know, this sense that that government is almost asking neighbor to report on neighbor, you know, and 
it it does remind us of some of the things that I think really sent a chill up people's spine even during the COVID stuff, right? That there was Absolutely. there were people say, "Oh, you're wearing a mask. You're not wearing a mask," and it really divided Americans. And of course. we shouldn't be divided over these things. We should be able to have differing views. I don't agree with everything that people put on T-shirts. Good Lord, I'd look at things that are on T-shirts. I think, why in the world would you wear that? But but it's their right to wear it. And and that's what's so chilling to me about this was just that we had you know government encouraging people to do it. And then I never like it when I hear about a government database being kept right. about this. I mean, what was who was behind this? Well, and I think, you know, that's one of the most remarkable things about this piece of legislation is freedom of speech creates that marketplace of thoughts and idea sharing and education. And so to weaponize that those rights and those abilities to share is it's it's really terrifying. Um but really, we saw this past legislative session, a real desire, and this came in the form of, you know, trying to disclose donors to nonprofits and whatnot. Um, but really, it was um, originally driven by a legislator. She was a freshman, um, actually both freshmen in the House and Senate, um, that I think the intentions were good, but this is, uh, they say that it stemmed from um, some some hate crimes that happened, um, the burning down of mosques um, and uh, increased hostility toward folks of Asian descent. Um, that's where they say that this idea stemmed from. But the incredible lack of vetting this idea through the committee process um, is, again, it's a perfect example of why we need a thorough process to hash these ideas out to make sure that what might be um, what might be a good intention does not have ill consequences. And um, it, I will say that it was absolutely remarkable, the lack of input that citizens could have. And I, to be totally honest, I think some were probably afraid to come forward and have dissent against this, because what would that make you seem like to other folks? Um, so and and I will say that this was also tucked into a huge judiciary and public safety bill. So to the average person following, it was really difficult. And unless you're very well versed in what's going on at the legislature, very well could have happened. And, you know, a lot of people would everybody would be affected, but not very many people would know. Rihanna, I mean, this was literally this this language was in the bill. And how I mean, did that get voted out of committee or was it found early? Where in the process was it when Americans for Prosperity in Minnesota and other groups, uh, you know, jumped in and said, hey, wait a minute, this can't this can't be right. Yeah. So the committee process, unfortunately, um, it was very limited. Um, folks were given maybe two minutes if you were lucky. Some were just limited to 90 seconds and uh, on bills like this. Um, so if you weren't able to go up on the testifier stand, you could submit a letter. I know there was a lot of um, behind the scenes work to try and um, change this and educate the authors on the ramifications of this. Um, Americans for Prosperity, um, we ended up writing a letter um, when this was coming around and we were starting to see as they were wrapping up the omnibus, omnibus bills where um, final policies were headed. And so 
we wrote a letter and I actually paired up with my counterpart at the ACLU over here, um, who also voiced serious concerns about this kind of legislation and the threat to free speech. And um, it was put in in the dead of night and it was taken out in the dead of night. I will tell you that the conference committee, um, which is a group of legislators from both the House and Senate, um, there was minimal to zero talk about this. They were all made up of DFL legislators. Um, and, you know, the process itself was far from transparent. There's, uh, you know, a rule that as long as you don't have a quorum of committee members, then you don't have to meet publicly. And so what the conversations were regarding this, we'll never know. That's incredible. So this, I mean, this literally, had it not been decisions there to take this out of that bill, would have made it, uh, would have made it into this omnibus bill, possibly, right? Yes, absolutely. I think, um, you know, after passing this, uh, I think they started to realize, especially when you see interesting organizations, the vast array across the spectrum yeah. come together and say, hey, wait a minute. Um, you know, so they, they certainly paired it back a little bit. But I will say that I don't think that this threat has been put to bed. And I um, do have concerns that it will be revived in um, either next session or in future years. And it's great that Americans for Prosperity uh, came together with the ACLU. Don't uh, don't agree on everything, obviously, mm-hmm. but I think it sounds like do agree on the 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 value and the protection of the First Amendment and free speech, and that this bill was a violation of the First Amendment. I think clearly, if this would have passed, it, it, it I mean, I would hope that it would have gotten struck down by by courts. It certainly would have been the subject of litigation immediately. But Absolutely. it's great that AC, the ACLU and AFP joined together and worked together to kill this. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is I became very close friends with my counterpart at the ACLU this session just because of the nature of everything that was going on and, and really the blatant attacks on the right to associate and, and freedom of speech. So um, it was it certainly pulled together some interesting alliances this year. Well, and I want to talk about that because that's yeah. interesting. Um, you know, we see this a lot in society now that people think, well, they go into tribes. I'm a Republican. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hang out with Republicans. I'm a Democrat. I'm going to hang out with Democrats. Yeah. Or, you know, by race or by by sex or whatever it is. Yeah. But that doesn't expose them to different views of different people. When I worked on Capitol Hill, I, re- I can remember my Republican boss going up and and being like really good friends with a lot of Democrats. Mm-hmm. And you just talked about something that I think probably shocks a lot of people the, the a staff person for Amer- for Americans for prosperity just worked with a staff person from the ACLU, the American civil liberties union in Minnesota. And you liked each other. Can you imagine <laughs> you became friends through this? I mean, that's the whole point of free speech and open and honest discussion amongst people. I'm sure you don't agree with everything that person stands for, but you can listen to them and you became friends and you became civil in, in in discourse on politics, right? Absolutely. And I think that that's something we need to step back and remember is, you know, we're each human beings, right? We don't have to check a box. And, you know, if I don't check one of those boxes, then I can't associate with you or align with you. 
You know, um, and that's one thing that I really appreciate about AFP is it doesn't matter who we work with. We are here to make good policy and to stand up for people and to put people first. Um, and it's just it's absolutely incredible. And as much as I am, I don't want to say I'm disappointed to have to work on an issue like this, but it is an honor to be able to do that. I wish I didn't have to, but it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, and, and look, you've probably forged uh, a relationship now with the ACLU. And again, you're not going to agree. There's going to be some things where you and them disagree, where Americans for Prosperity and the ACLU disagree. There's going to be lots of those. But of there course. are going to be moments where the two organizations can come together and work to protect free speech or, or other things. And you've just created and, and – and I mean, this is such a great example of why free speech is so important. Because you just created an alliance where you can fight future bad public policy because you were willing to talk to someone and hear their viewpoints uh, where maybe you didn't agree. Of course, it's such a vital part of this. Um, And, you know, just being able to recognize because I will tell you what it's you can never get comfortable with your rights. You know, just as was exemplified with this free speech bill, this bias registry, you can never get comfortable with your rights because there is always an idea or um, something that could threaten that. And it might be disguised. It might not be obvious at first, but it's that's why it's so important to be able to have these conversations and to feel comfortable um, without fear of being canceled or reported to this system. Um, again, freedom speech, freedom of speech is the marketplace of sharing ideas and education. And it's, you know, the foundation of peace itself. Well, and what's so incredible about this is that that government finds itself to be the arbiter of the truth (laughs) that, that, that somehow we would have this registry and we would have this, this group, this bureaucracy that would look and say, this is biased and this isn't biased. Correct. And and first of all, our founding fathers decidedly took that away from government, the right to decide what is a good idea and a bad idea. Right. They didn't give that to government. They gave that to <laughs> citizens to decide. But but that's what's really so offensive to me about this this law is that somehow they can they can just sort of you know apply their standard and and that somehow that's going to be one in compliance with the first amendment. But but two that it's it's gonna it's gonna be a good thing. It's never a good thing. I mean, doesn't that doesn't that concern? Shouldn't that concern every American that government thinks that that's a good idea? Oh, absolutely. And also, I think you know, unique to Minnesota. Well, maybe not unique to Minnesota, but this was certainly a historic session for many reasons, not all good. Um, I I will say there was a huge movement this this past session to look to government to provide those solutions to be the arbiter of what is or isn't something. Um, You know, we had a 41% increase in the expanse of our government, 41%. Um, And so it's really, it's amazing to see, you know, again, the different coalitions that have come together to say, hey, wait a minute, this isn't good. We don't need to look to government you know, as our savior, it should be, uh, you know, we, the people, again, going back to the foundation and the basics and really putting the power back to the people, not to government, especially not to an unelected bureaucrat that 
you know, we don't with this registry, the way it was written, we didn't know what information was going to be, you know, taken or what what was going to be done with it. Um, So really kind of it's trying to change that paradigm and that dynamic of thinking, well, we just need more government to solve this. Um, That's that's not the answer. Yeah. Well, it's certainly it's not the answer. Now, thankfully, this was taken out. We're going to get to what was yeah. left in because it wasn't. It it was, still wasn't a great thing, but Correct. but it's way better. And we're going to get to that. But I just want to make sure that people understand. I mean, I, I this was not hysterics in my intro, right? No. This if this had passed the way the original language had, you literally could be sitting in a diner, having mm-hmm. lunch with your friend, your your you know someone you go to church with or you work with or whatever. And you bring some issue up, whether it's political, religious, whatever. And the person next to you in the booth right behind you could overhear that and literally say, hey, I thought that might be hurtful to someone or someone might not agree with that. And they could go report you to this government agency, which would then put you in this registry. Am, Am I right? Is that what the bill would have done? That is exactly what it would have done. And imagine if you are someone who might be. Um, wearing a political shirt or, you know, anything. And, you know, say you go up and have to show your ID if you're at a liquor store or, you know, you're at a doctor's office and that person is like, oh, you know, I don't I don't like what they're wearing. I don't like the message. I think that that could be hurtful or someone could find that offensive and they have your information. So then your name's in there. I mean, it's just the opportunities are endless for abuse of this and infringement. And again, there was no due process written in there. There was no way to refute, hey, you know, no, you shouldn't have to justify yourself if you're just having a conversation. It's, you know, people do eavesdrop and how they want to interpret what you say. I mean, there's just there was no element of defense. And it was it's just incredibly scary that it made it that far. Um, and so I just I really urge people to be diligent in, you know, watching out for these kinds of threats, because, again, it can be masked as something that seems innocent or that seems like it's for the better good. But really, it has very ill fated consequences. And we've seen how difficult and how wrongheaded and how destructive it is when government puts its finger on the scale and says, hey, yes. I think we should censor this idea. Correct. But this one's this one's okay because they're 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 picking winners and losers when they do that in the free speech in the world of ideas they're saying this idea is good and it has our seal of approval this idea is bad and it doesn't and and yeah. and you know that is a very very harmful thing when the government steps in to do that absolutely i you know if if someone says i like free speech but you know, there are no buts in free speech, it, <laughs> right. you know, even if it might be unpopular free speech or, you know, whatever it might be, it's still free speech. Yeah. You know, I just remember, I don't know, maybe when I was in college or something, I would hear people say stuff that I thought, man, that's just crazy. Yeah. But, but I'd always think to myself, I'll just let them keep saying it. Pretty soon right. people will figure out they're crazy. <laughs> but now it's like, everybody's got to, oh, well, we got to shut that down. And that's, you know, But in the tradition of tolerance, I think we do have to be tolerant of other people's ideas and thoughts and beliefs. And just because, I mean, you know, my dad used to say they have the right to be wrong. I mean, you know, people have the right to be wrong, crazy, whatever. Um, We we just shouldn't try and shut it down. Um, Well, and and, oh, thank you. Uh, You know, and our governor has touted one Minnesota 
you know, we are one people, we are one Minnesota. And to have the party go on such a divisive, uh, pass a piece of such divisive legislation that makes you weary, you know, oh my gosh, is my neighbor going to be reporting on me or what I shouldn't even be, I can't, I'm afraid to even speak in public or at a restaurant. I mean, it's, it's really unfortunate and it's, it's quite something. Yeah, it, it really is amazing. So how easy, you, you talked about the process, and I just can't believe as a state legislature <laughs> that you have an omnibus bill. Normally that kind of craziness is only reserved for the U.S. Congress. Like most state legislatures know they have to fund things and all that. But you guys apparently have an omnibus uh, a bill where you wrap a bunch of stuff in, which is a terrible way mm-hmm. to do business. But, it is. Um, how how hard or how difficult was it for the public to weigh in on this this bill or this provision that ended up in the omnibus bill? Very difficult. And for any Minnesota listeners who might recall Omnibus Prime of uh, 2018, this bill was inches thick, um, and it just makes following so hard. Um, it, you know, and what was peculiar about this session was the fact that while they're supposed to have adequate notices to the public, in particular during the um, conference committee process where they were wrapping up these omnibus bills, they would put a notice out and then delay, delay, delay. And it could be, you know, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And it, then all of a sudden it would be canceled. So it was very exhausting to even try and follow this process. And when you were able to get into the committee room and were able to view the committee process, um, if you were allowed, and this is a big, if you were allowed to testify, uh, you would be drastically limited to, you know, 90 seconds, two minutes. Um, and that's really difficult to convey so many thoughts and concerns and, you know, support for a bill that is 500 pages. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. it's, it's not possible. So the transparency in this process it was incredibly disappointing. I think that the trifecta really abused its power. Um and the public, if they were able to keep up, had a very difficult time doing so. Yeah. Well, ultimately, you got the most egregious language taken out. Correct. But what was left in that, that still causes you concern? Right. So um, there was a piece still left in. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think that this issue has been put to bed. But the commissioner would be authorized to analyze trends on civil rights infringements. So um, it's a little bit, it's more um, aligned. It's more, it's a little bit more uh, descriptive in what the intent is. However, there is still room for legislative maneuvering or, you know, even reporting um, for people to utilize the database. Um, And then this report is to be compiled to the uh, committee chairs in both the House and Senate to, you know, check out, hey, these areas have higher incidents of civil rights infringements, um, you know, that sort of thing. Right. I mean, are you concerned that this bias registry could come back up, be brought back up in a future legislative session? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do. I, I am very concerned and I would even be concerned with the current piece of legislation that was passed and the funding available. Um, I think that, you know, there is a real desire to, unmask people that um might have a differing opinion that you that you think is wrong right and and try and police that 
Um, and so Minnesota does have a robust set of um, hate crime laws. You know, we are it's not as if these things are, you know, there's there are no laws on the books. But the fact that there's a reporting system with no safety mechanisms in place for those being reported on is very dangerous. Yeah, this is bullying. I mean, it's government yes. bullying is what it yes. is. It's this is like, right. This is like being at the 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 family crisp, you know, the family reunion, and you got the cousin that comes up, and he doesn't want anybody else to listen to anybody but him. Right. Uh, and and you know, make sure that everybody understands that if they if they disagree with him, he's going to shout them down. This is the government taking on the role of cousin Billy. Here, right. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. This is this is crazy. Just so we we make sure people understand, like what were some of the and you you kind of touched on this, but but let's get some more concrete examples. What were some of the things that that you had concerns, the ACL you had concerns with, um, where people might be reported for something like this? Like you mentioned a Black Lives Matters t shirt, or you know a, a pro life t shirt, or a pro choice t shirt for that yeah. matter. What were some of the real concerns that that caused you to be opposed to this? I think the biggest concern, honestly, is just how broad it was. Mm -hmm. Honestly, anything could be swept in there. Um, And, you know, one need only look at a comment section on Twitter or on Facebook. And, you know, I'm I'm you could probably all of those things would qualify. Right. And so our biggest concern was just how broad it was and the fact that the department was encouraging and soliciting these kinds of reports. Um, And then there would also be a mechanism um, to be able to report to police. Um, You know, so it was, it's, it was just amazing how, um, uh, you know, how um, broad this was. Yeah. It's, it is incredible. I mean, I saw news reports of it. And I think a lot of Americans saw that and thought, this is, this is crazy. This is like, it's just the most un-American thing, you know, to be against the First Amendment. Absolutely. Or to try and pass laws that would say the government decides who, who is right and wrong here and any other opinion shall be dis, disavowed. And um, I would say, so. too, that it takes away human dignity. I mean, we it have does. a right to have conversations and idea share and, you know, it and and potentially being reported on, you know, it absolutely takes away that element of human dignity. Yeah. Well, I just think one of the great examples of, 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 of you guys doing the right thing is, you know, working with the ACLU in, in, in Minnesota on this bill, right? Because you don't agree on a lot of things and here you are agreeing on this, um, which just goes to show you the value of free speech, the value of engaging people on their ideas, learning from them, you might actually not be right. And you might learn that you're not right by talking to someone else. There's no learning and educating in this world without freedom of speech, right? It's again, it's a, it's a marketplace of ideas and learning. And, um, it's, it's so vital again, that we be able, that we are able to recognize and then take down these. And that's one of the things that I love so much about AFP is we are so consistent in our fight for free speech. Free speech is free speech. And, you know, we'll, we'll align with whoever we need to, to create that coalition because sometimes we aren't the voice that some people will pay attention to. And that, you know, for our current dynamic in the legislature, you know, the ACLU might've helped, um, some interest. And 
I know we coordinated to submit these letters together. So, you know, just being able to make that change. And, um, you know, I I really hope that I don't have to battle this next session, but it is something that we are certainly watching. And I think that um, it's important to watch what's going on across the country as well. Awesome. Rayanna, thank you so much. I mean, thanks for sharing the story. But most importantly, I mean, thanks for getting engaged on this. I can't imagine if you and the ACLU hadn't got engaged and this thing would have really been put into law, how terrible it would be for citizens of Minnesota and quite frankly, for citizens in other states. Because if they saw that this passed in Minnesota, there would be legislators somewhere who'd say, well, that dumb idea sounds good to me. And they would try and do it in their state as well. I uh, I can't stress this enough that privacy is for citizens and transparency is for government. Hey, that's right. <laughs> you got it. Rihanna, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. Okay, great. Well, listen, th- I mean, we're going to talk so much more about free speech because free speech is under attack. I, it, it's certainly under attack by government, right? Government, and we see it all the time, government trying to to, to quash certain ideas and, and make things, you know, not even seem plausible or something you should listen to. That's not government's role. And we need to call it out when we see it. And uh, we're going to talk a lot more about that on the podcast. Uh, as, as the team and I were talking about, the podcast team and I were talking about what topics have we not covered enough? Free speech is one of those. And we're going to talk more about free speech and the importance of free speech, because I can tell you Americans for Prosperity is working on it, on that issue all across America. And Americans have to come together, left and right, have to come together and value these these uh, rights that, according to our founders, were given to us by God, and that government can't take those away. And so we need to stand up and defend those. And if, if we don't, we will be in jeopardy of losing those God-given rights, if you will. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to this edition of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.